When I was in college, I took a film class called German Queer Cinema, where we watched and analyzed movies like Nosferatu and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. At the surface level, these were horror films that centered around one monster or quasi-human creature quietly terrorizing a community. They came about during German Expressionism, when the threat of the First World War loomed over the country. Feelings of isolation, disillusionment, and distrust are palpable in these films. As my college course title suggested, there's a type of queering that happens when a group of people decide that something or someone is not one of them. By the time of World War II, Germany was mass-producing cinema as propaganda, shelling out us-versus-them narratives that would come to bolster an anti-Semitic agenda. It's wild to think that movies, something that's supposed to entertain, can also influence how we feel about everything around us. And if we approach it in the wrong way, our art can have dangerous consequences. But also, isn't this why we make art in the first place? Because if we approach it in the right way, we have the opportunity to change narratives for the better. I always kind of felt a sense of otherness and I just didn't have the words to express like what I was feeling, but I found myself always attracted to, I guess, narratives that involved people feeling kind of detached from other people and feeling like an outsider. This is Sydney Horton, an LA-based director who often channels her identity and personal experiences in her films, particularly in the horror genre. I, I realized I wanted to continue making stories to kind of express what I was feeling and how I viewed the world and kind of what it's like to be an adopted individual, a queer individual, or feel like a sense of otherness, which is why I think I became specifically so attracted to various mediums and horror. In the past, this otherness was often depicted as qualities meant to scare off others. But within the last decade or so, there have been many artists, including Sydney, determined to make someone's otherness feel like it belongs. I know the title of this episode is Does Representation Matter? But maybe representation is just the first step. Of course it matters. Belonging, on the other hand, especially in art, is a much more interesting story to tell. Before we get into it, let's spend a moment with Adriana from Ink to Prosperity. Hello, creative. Let's take an inspiration break. We're going to feel into our environment and be inspired by what's around us in this very moment. No matter the mess, no matter the cleanliness, or if you're outside. So go ahead and use your five senses to really tap into what's pulling your attention. Maybe you're witnessing a color for the first time, really giving it some attention and the depth of that color. Maybe there's textures or a scent that is grabbing your attention. Or perhaps you are being drawn to a shirt on the floor and it's really sparking you. And just taking this moment to notice how your environment is supporting you and feeding your inspiration. I hope you enjoy these moments and know that no matter where you are, there is always, always, always room for you to be inspired. Now let's jump back into it. 
Sydney grew up in Indiana, and she first felt a spark for filmmaking in high school after showing a movie she made at a local film festival. She later studied television and directing at Columbia College Chicago and landed an internship with the Television Academy, then later production jobs at Blumhouse, Nickelodeon, and Netflix, to name drop a few. On the side, though, Sydney makes films in Los Angeles. One of her notable ones is a horror short called Meta. And Meta, I think, is one of those pieces that is forever going to be something I look back upon about just being so instrumental about my directing career and what I want to continue making when I approach storytelling. Like, I I haven't worked on anything, at least so far, that has felt so important to me um, and the message behind it, since it was a film that not only my writer came to me expressing they needed to use as a piece to kind of um, share with the world that they were going to continue transitioning genders themselves and that that's okay and, like, that's who they are and who they've always been. Set at a high school prom, Meta explores the emotional and physical transformations of the transmasculine experience as well as trans dysphoria. It's screened at over 30 festivals, ending its run with a three-month exhibit at Seattle's Museum of Pop Culture. Sydney's most recent project, The House Sitters, is currently making its rounds at festivals. Even if she isn't the one writing the scripts, Sydney tries to stay true to her voice as an artist with every film she directs. I tend to have the working relationship where I will be like, I want to be able to give some notes, obviously, on the script. This is what I think works, what doesn't. I'll ask specifically for the house sitters. It initially was not a queer horror. It was just a horror with female leads. So I asked the writer, why are they straight? And he was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, you're you're a gay writer. I am a queer creator. Why don't we make them why don't we have a queer narrative in here? So as we workshopped through it, it became queer as it went. Our ghost was even like in the backstory, a queer ghost. So like who like is also in the house, spoiler, and the, the woman that's being house for is queer. So it's like we, it's just being like, where can we add diversity that feels organic? And why, like asking writers, why is it that way? And seeing what they have to say. I don't know. I just don't think there's any time anymore for things that aren't diverse. Like, we've done enough of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> So if I can have any say or any pull in bringing in queerness to the story or people of color, I'm going to. I'm finally getting to a point where I can work with a casting director, which is cool. So it's like, let's see how diverse we can get. Not just to check boxes, but let's get more representation up there. Sydney hopes the whole entertainment industry will adopt this mission of adding diversity where it feels organic, especially at film festivals. Festivals screen movies in blocks or sections where titles are grouped together, usually by theme or style. In recent years, it has become popular to host blocks like Women in Film or Queer Cinema, categorizing stories from underrepresented voices. Yes, it's awesome to be in the festival circuit and I love the queer content. I just wish, and I'm hopeful for a future where we're not trapped in like, if you want to watch queer horror, you have to go to this block. Like I want it to just be, that's a horror film and oh, there happens to maybe be a queer person in there. For the most part, I'm not trying to do queer narratives where it's like, guess what, they're queer and I'm just gonna keep telling you that they're queer. It's like, I just want that to be a part of the story too. Even the mainstream festivals, as I've like checked on Film Freeway and other sites, like they're starting to now be like, oh, and a category is queer films. Cause you can submit like, oh, let me submit to the narrative or queer. And I'm like, well, technically it 
is a narrative, but I guess it's queer. And like having that weird, like your mouse going over each one and you're like, which one do I submit to? So cool that yes, you're like aware that people want diversity and maybe they feel the pressure of like, oh, it looks bad if I don't have that, you know, kind of performative almost. I would like it to just be part of mainstream media as a whole. And I'm hopeful that in the next five to 10 years, we can have less performative diversity uh, movements and more organic and actually wanting that, not just because they feel like that's what should be happening. So, I mean, I think five years, not a ton is gonna change, but I think 10, we're hopefully in stronger strides towards making our, our world a better reality and more realistic visually on screen. And once again, just not performative. Though it's a difficult task and progress is certainly not linear, Sydney considers the journey of telling authentic stories from a place of inclusivity a worthwhile pursuit. I'm learning to use my voice as a platform to kind of fight for the community and hopefully continue to help other people feel accepted and loved and comfortable enough to share who they are with the world, however they identify. It's helped like my family members who were kind of questionable of the queerness, like come around and be like, no, like we need to fight for queer rights. We need to fight for queer people. And like everything that's been happening around the world with like, you know, what it's like to be queer right now and if they should be allowed to be queer and teachers not being able to share the information, like to see my family be like, oh, that's not okay, is honestly a huge stepping stone. And I definitely owe that to like creating meta and house sitters and having an environment and community where they're like fighting too. On the other side of the country, in New York City, Audrey Chukwa, an actor and educator, is also working to foster a sense of belonging. But for a new generation of creators, here he is. To be able to to inspire all in others, give them something that uh, that shifts their perspective or makes them think differently than before they saw this piece, before they interacted, before you shared this moment. I think that that's what excites me about the arts. And it also just happened to be something that excites me about education. So for the next episode of While You Create, we're doing something a little different and special. Since it's coming at the end of the year, we thought it would be nice to reflect and manifest. And we want to hear from you. Yes, you, listening to this right now. What are your roses, thorns, and buds? Think of roses as highlights and thorns as lowlights from this past year. Buds are what you're looking forward to in the new year. So grab your phone, your computer. Hey, if you have a mic go for it. Record a voice memo in 90 seconds or less, telling us what made 2022 meaningful for you, what made it not so great, and what excites you about the big old 2023. Then send it to us at hello at coolgirls.co, and it might just appear in the next episode. Sound good? Great. Remember, roses, thorns, and buds. 
As a trained and dedicated actor, Audrey found himself in a difficult position when COVID shut down theaters in New York City. After a little bit of soul searching, he decided to go back to school and get his master's in education at Columbia University. Audrey now teaches 12th grade social studies at an international school in Union Square that's made up of around 400 students newly arrived in the States. All of them are learning English, right? That's, that's the one thing that they have in common because they, are lear- they speak 30 languages combined, right? For many of these kids, English is not their second language. That's why in the field, we're moving away from calling it English as a second language to um, uh, English for speakers of other languages or English language learners or multilingual learners because they come from from communities and backgrounds and cultures where, you know, they already speak three languages or four languages, right? So we want to honor that. So my experience working with these students is not only bringing my own experience, right, and sort of leveraging that as a connecting point, but also to to honor their experiences, to honor their cultures and where they're coming from. And I can base it on my own experience and say, hey, I was just like you. Audrey was born and raised in Cameroon. He moved to the U.S. just outside of Washington, D.C. when he was 15 years old to reunite with his mom, who was already living there, as well as finish high school. When we came to the U.S., I was living with my mom and my brother. My mom was renting a, a room in a two-bedroom apartment, and we were all sleeping in one bed. That's where we started, all sleeping in that one bed. And then we eventually got our own apartment, uh, it was another two bedroom, right? We were we got two beds now, but we were in the same room, two beds. My brother and I were sharing one bed. My mom was on another bed, and then she was renting out the other room just to make ends meet. And then we moved from that to getting our own apartment where it was a two bedroom. Mom had her room, my brother and I had our room. And then we moved from that to getting you know our own apartment. I went to college, and then my my brother had his own room now, and so that was that's the evolution. So I can use that as a tool. I can leverage that experience and say, hey, what you're going through, you're not alone. I've I've gone through that. It's funny hearing Audrey remember his journey as an immigrant through phases of beds. When my family first moved to the states, my sister and I slept on air mattresses before upgrading to a better mattress, but still on the floor. And then eventually we got bed frames, though they were the IKEA ones. It wasn't until college that I felt like I had a real bed, which was ironic because everyone else thought they were serious downgrades from their beds at home. When I graduated and could finally afford to buy my own bed, I weirdly felt this huge sense of accomplishment every night, like I was tucking myself into the American dream. One big thing that is different for Audrey and me, though, is language. In my home country of the Philippines, English is considered a national language, so I knew how to speak it from an early age. But for many immigrants like Audrey and his students, language is a huge barrier, especially when you're auditioning for theatrical productions as a high schooler. My English, I felt like my English was was just so awful. And I was in a room full of these native speakers of English who were just like, to me, it sounded like they were just rapping in English. <laughs> and I was so terrified. I was, I was pausing a lot. I was stuttering a lot. I, I was making up pronunciations a lot. I was just, I was making it up. Like when you talk about stepping out of your comfort zone, 
Oh my goodness. That is the most out of my comfort zone I have felt. And I felt like people were laughing at me or pointing at me or saying, whispering amongst themselves, like, oh, you know, he doesn't, this this is not competition. Yeah, he, he may be a good singer, but then he's not gonna get the part because he can't say the lines. I, after that that callback, I felt so discouraged. Oh my goodness, I'm so disheartened that maybe I wouldn't get to be in this thing. But to my surprise, I got cast in this. I had a small part in the ensemble and I got to understudy one of the supporting roles as well. And my family was there to see it. This was like the first play my mom had ever seen in her life. You know, it's like any high school production. It's, it's terrible, but that's not the point. It's, the point is not the production value. It's not the performance quality. It's the fact that you have a bunch of kids who are stepping out of their comfort zones, who are trying something new, right? They're trying to figure out like exactly where they fit in this world, in this society. What are they good at? What are their aptitudes? Uh, for some kids, it will just click. Like they'll say, you know what? This is the thing. This is the thing that I'm good at. And that was the case for me. The ability to continue trying something new is what also led Audrey to his teaching career. While he loves this new opportunity to inspire students, they happen to inspire him too. And what I love about working with immigrant youth is that there's this drive. They may not understand how to go about it, how to pursue it, how to express it even sometimes, but they know that in the words of Alexander Hamilton, they can't throw away their shot. They think to themselves, I'm so fortunate to be here because I know people in my native communities would kill to have this opportunity. So I'm gonna try to make the most of it. And so my job is to just like give them the tools, talk to them about opportunities and um, sort of just guide them through that. And that's really why I wanted to work with uh, 11th and 12th graders for that opportunity to just like walk them through what their options are. When it comes to honing in on these passions, creative or otherwise, Audrey imagines it in true theatrical style. Think about it like in terms of notes on a scale, a musical scale. It's the same notes that everyone is playing, really, when you think about it, right? It just in a different key. The tuning is different, maybe. But it, essentially, we're all playing the same tune. We're just arranging them differently and, you know, they sound beautiful. But it also matters who is playing the instrument. So who is playing that guitar? Who is playing that piano? That it matters so you can see yourself reflected in that art piece. One of my music teachers in, in, in high school would say often that she's not trying to make us the next, I don't know, Philip Glass, or you can insert a great musician there. She's not trying to make us into a, like the next phenomenal, but it, it's about giving you the tools to express yourself and giving you the, the space and, and the room, the opportunity to experiment without uh, repercussions, without consequences, without shame. This is, this is the experiment. This is for you to just like play around. So what I would say to my kids, and I already started instilling this in them, is you have to go out there and pursue your dream. And maybe that dream is making movies or pursuing higher education, or even just having your own bed. Whatever it may be, know that the rest of us want to hear your story.
Sydney Horton is a director based in Los Angeles. You can find her on Instagram at Sydney Horton, that's S-Y-D-N-E-H-O-R-T-O-N, and at sydneyhorton.com. Audrey Chukwa is an actor and educator in New York. He's not on social media, but was gracious enough to share his email with you all at AudreyChukwa, that's T-C-H-O-U-K-O-U-A at gmail.com. Special thanks to Adriana at Ink to Prosperity. Ink to Prosperity is a space that provides personal and career development from a spiritual perspective. You can learn more at Ink to Prosperity, that's I-N-K-T-O prosperity.com, or give her a follow on Instagram at Ink to Prosperity. While You Create is an audio show brought to you by Cool Girls Collective, where communities shaping convos around creativity. You can find us at coolgirls.co and on Instagram at coolgirlscollective. Production music is by Low High Five. You can listen more on Instagram at lowhigh, the number five, dot music. I'm your host, Ruth, and I'll catch you in our final episode of 2022. Can you believe it? And don't forget to send your voice recordings, your roses, thorns, and buds to hello at coolgirls.co for an opportunity to be included in the next episode. Okay, thanks. Bye.